Welcome to Remnant Christian Center's podcast. We hope you are encouraged by this message. Amen. God bless you, everyone. This is Pastor George, and I am excited to bring the Word of God to you this morning. And I'm going to be, again, actually extending a message that I did two weeks ago called Rediscovering Kingdom Faith. And I'm excited because during these times, I really feel that we need to rediscover what kingdom faith is about. Not the American faith, not even some of the faith that we're used to, that we call faith. It's the kingdom faith. And so I want to give you a couple of reviews before I dive into John chapter 6, because John chapter 6 is a powerful, powerful scripture, because Jesus, you will see, will be willing to offend the mind to reveal the heart. I'm going to say that again. Jesus sometimes is willing to offend the mind to reveal the heart. And what I want to talk about on part two of rediscovering kingdom um, kingdom faith is the testing of uh, the motive of our faith. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about the, the kingdom faith as also testing our faith. And we remember that we discussed that the enemy tests our faith, but the Lord test our faith. Again, the enemy tempts, sorry, our faith, but the Lord tests our faith, okay? And so I want to make sure that I bring this to you because I really feel I have a word. If you have your Bibles, let's turn to John chapter 6. I'm going to give you a couple of things that, uh, some review of a couple weeks ago, is um, our faith is as strong as a test it survives. So remember we talked about our faith is as strong as the test it survives. And that is true because whatever we are lifting more, the stronger we lift, the, more, the stronger we are. And so the Lord tests our faith through what we survive and he increases our faith. And so today I want to talk about the motive. In other words, why are you following the Lord? Is it because he want, you want him to bless you? Is it because you heard somewhere that he's going to make you rich? Or you heard somewhere that he's going to bless you with a new house? And all the blessings are great. But the Lord at one time in our lives is going to test the motive of why we follow him. And the motive why we follow him is not so we could get good stuff from him. And I'm going to shock some of you. The motive why we follow Jesus is not so he could, so we could be happier. Are we going to be by default happier because we follow the Lord? Absolutely. But if you've been walking with the Lord for a while or even for maybe a year, you will find out that sooner or later you will walk with trials. You are going to walk through trials. So... I want to encourage you, the Lord will test the motive or the reason why we follow him. And today, I'm going to talk and dive in into John chapter 6 so that we could see this, um, this analogy of the Lord really exposing, saying something on purpose, okay, that he knows were, was a little deep and even a little graphic, you're going to see, so that he could test why the people were following him that said that we're following him and to expose their motive of why they were originally follow him and in our life the Lord will test why we follow him and so the Lord um, he, he, he grows our faith and he sorry he tests the motive here's how he tests the motive before we go to John chapter 6 of our faith by allowing us to go through things that are unexplainable to, by allowing to go through things that come into our lives to see if we would follow him or if we would give up. 
Okay, so with that said, I want you to turn with me to John chapter 6. Now, there's going to be several verses on the screen, so I want you to go to John chapter 6, verse 47 through 60. I know it's a lot, but we're going to read it together. And then from 66 through 69 in the NLT. I want you to see the progression of how Jesus started and said things that were very sharp, kind of offensive, and then got really offensive and notice how he doesn't explain anything to try to keep people with him because he wanted to test if they really were going to follow him for who he is or following because of another uh, ulterior motive. Okay, now watch this. John chapter 6, verse 47. We're going to read through 47 through 60, then jump to 66 through 69 in the NLT. Follow me. I tell you the truth, Jesus says, anyone who believes in me has eternal life. Jesus said this, yes, I am the bread of life. Now remember, he's talking a little Old Testament truth right there because Moses got the bread from heaven, but now he's going to say, hey guys, I am that bread. So that, that's offense number one to reveal the heart. Then it gets a little deeper, but I want you to see at the very end, I'm going to prove that he says this on purpose to test the motive of our faith. Now check this out. He said, I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, but they all died. Again, he's talking, he's talking about Moses here. Anyone who eats the bread from heaven, however, will never die. I am the bread that came down from heaven. Wait a minute. He just actually said that story that you guys all been reading about. Remember, he's talking to a Jewish custom, to, to, to the Jews here. And he's, he's saying, hey, do you guys remember the story you talk about Moses? I am that bread. Now, if you, if you think about it, let's, let's take our spiritual hat off. And if you, if you heard this for the first time and you've been following the law the whole time and you heard somebody come along the scene and you see him do miracles, he's a really amazing man. And yet you're saying, wait a minute, he's saying he is that bread. It kind of almost tests what's happening in your heart at that very moment. Let me pause and say, when we don't understand something, that is the greatest opportunity for our faith to be tested to see if we'll still follow God or we follow our offense and our hurt. Think about this. He's not making sense and he's, he's not stopping. He's on purposely going, knowing that it's going to offend them to reveal the heart motive. He says, he says, I am that living bread that came down from heaven. Let's continue in the scriptures. Anyone who eats this bread will live forever. And this bread which I will offer so the, so the world may live is my flesh. Wait a minute. Now he's saying this bread now is my flesh. There's one thing to say, hey, I am the bread of life. I am the bread that came down from heaven. The ones that you talk about in Moses, I was that bread. It's one thing to say that kind of... Some people say, okay, he's kind of knocked off his rocker a little bit, you know, but I'm still willing to listen. Now he's going deeper in the testing of their motive of why they follow him, hear me now, by saying, hey, it's, I'm not just the bread. Now you got to eat my flesh. Wait a minute now. Now watch this. Anyone who eats this bread will live forever, and this bread which I offer the world may live is my flesh. Then the people began arguing with each other about what he meant. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Let me pause and say, you would probably say the same thing. Stop being so spiritual and think, oh, I never, no, no, no. If Jesus would have came the first time and you were in the Jewish customs way and knowing the law and someone came around and said, you got to eat my flesh, you and I would have thought the same things like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I love the miracles. I love what you give me. I love what you do for people. 
But to eat your flesh, that is offensive to my heart because my mind doesn't understand it. Oh, that could preach for a, I could preach for an hour for that. When your mind doesn't understand something, it will trigger your heart to start questioning God and start being offended. Oh, this is so good. Now watch. How can this man give us his flesh? They asked. So Jesus said again, now watch. You would think that Jesus would say, no, no, guys, listen, listen. I'm just saying a little parable here. I'm just saying a little uh, a spiritual truth. He kept on going deeper in his, in his almost grossness about this in the flesh, but he was trying to explain a spiritual matter. Let me tell you something. When you and I try to explain spiritual truth with physical, carnal ways of thinking, we will automatically be offended all the time. Write that down. It's not going to be on uh, your, your notes, but I want you to write this down. When you and I try to explain a supernatural God with a carnal or a fleshly mindset, we will always be disappointed. Jesus was actually talking about a spiritual truth here. Look what he says. I tell you the truth. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man. Now watch as he gets deeper. And drink his blood. You cannot have eternal life within you. But anyone who eats my flesh, he continues, and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise that person from the last day. For my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me. This sounds like cannibalism, right? In the natural. But Jesus doesn't stop. He knew that this was going to offend them. But what was he doing? Please hear me. He was, he was saying something to offend the mind to reveal what was truly in the heart. What was he doing? Testing the motive of why they were following him. Please write this down. You and I, on several occasions, will be tested by the Lord on why are you following Him? Are you only praising God because He gave you a promotion? Or you see the favor of God in your life and you're saying, Hallelujah, praise God. And are you, are you following Him because your health is perfect and every time you pray, He gives you an answer, what you think of. Is that the reason why you're following? How about when He's silent? How about when you've done everything you can, you're quoting the scriptures and you're living right and all hell's breaking loose? That's when the Lord tests our motive for following Him. He continues this. Uh, if you eat my flesh and drink my blood, uh, you, you are in me. I live, watch this, because of the living Father who sent me. In the same way, anyone who feeds on me will live because of me. Do you, do you imagine you hearing this for the first time? Anyone who feeds on me. That sounds gross. I am the bread of life that came from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will not die as your ancestors did, even though they ate the manna, but they will live forever. He said these things while he was teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. Many of his disciples, I want you to see this, not just the quote-unquote people that didn't know anything about him. The Bible says many of his disciples, many of his disciples, watch this, said, this is a very hard understanding thing to understand. How can anyone accept it? Now, if you look at, if you jump down to verse 66 and 69, at this point, many of his disciples, come on, say disciples, that means followers. Many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. Then Jesus turned to the 12, and the, 12 the intimate 12, and said, are you also going to leave? And then thank God for good old Simon Peter said, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words of life, of eternal life. We believe and we know that you are the only holy one of God. Now, I want you to look at me. I know there's a lot of scriptures, but do you see the progression? He started, well, you know, Moses is the bread of life. Moses gave you bread, but I am that bread of life. 
you need to eat my flesh. Now, not just eat my flesh. You need to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And he didn't say, hey, I'm just trying to get a spiritual principle here. I'm not really literally saying that. He knew that they were going to be offended, but there was a testing moment. I want you to look at me very well. There is a testing moment coming, or there's a testing moment, moment that you've had, or there is a testing moment from the Lord right now to test your faith, to see if you're complaining, to see if you're going to follow Him, to see if at every little thing you're ready to give up. And He's testing you by allowing things to happen that you don't understand in your mind, or He's, or he's showing things about Himself that you have absolutely no understanding why he would allow that to happen. He purposely knew that what he was saying was going to get kind of get him in trouble, but he didn't plead for anybody or beg for anybody to stay with him. Oh, let me just pause and say that that could preach for a whole nother hour. Stop begging people to stay with you. Stop begging people to not leave you. If they are, are so adamant to resist you and they're so adamant to, to not want to be around you, because of the word of God, because of your faith, or because of this, or your stance, or, or whatever it is. Don't try to beg people to stay in your life that no longer want to be with you. Because your your accolades and your and your praise is not from man. The Lord is gonna make sure He honors you. Your honor is not from man. And if we are seeking honor from man, you're gonna be disappointed. But if you seek honor from God, then no matter what happens. You're going to follow him. Now, this is the testing of our faith. Jesus was talking about a spiritual principle of receiving the work of salvation that he would accomplish at the cross, and he was testing the true motive of their claimed faith to follow him. That's really what he was saying when he was saying, you got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. What he was saying is, hey, there's going to be a work that I do at the cross that's going to regenerate your spirit, that's going to cleanse you, and you no longer have to have ritualistic ways to come and have forgiveness. You're going to have me in the spirit. My blood is going to wash you forever as long as you accept the price that I paid on the cross. That's what he was talking about. And oftentimes, we're wanting an answer from God right now. Come on, I want you to hear this because this is really powerful what I'm going to say. Oftentimes we need to, we want to have an answer right now. And uh, when God delays his answer, come on, what comes out of our mouth and how we respond, okay, during those times will often truly reveal the motive of our faith. I'm going to say that again. When God delays his answers, what comes out of our mouth and how we respond by our actions oftentimes reveal the motive of why you've been claiming to follow Jesus all along. Unfortunately, there are some Christians that the walk with God is so shallow that they only serve God when, and praise God and trust God and follow God when everything is going just like they prayed for or just like they want or, every, or there's no uh, rocking the boat. But as soon as a couple things happen and or, or, or even some, let's be honest, very transparent, some injustice happened to you or unfair things happen to you, they say, where's my God? That is the true motive of revealing to you why you're truly following God. Are you following God to be in a bless me club? Or are you picking up your cross and following him? As a, as a matter of fact, it's unbiblical to follow God be just because he, he's your healer or just because he's blessing your finances. The Bible says, pick up your cross. Those who want to follow me, here's the, here's the goal. 
pick up your cross daily, die daily, and follow me. That doesn't seem like a bless me club to me. Last time I checked, a cross is heavy. The cross is excruciating. He said, pick up your cross, die to your own self, to your own ways, and follow me. This is the, the essence of following God. So in kingdom faith, we're talking about kingdom faith, we got to talk about the motive of following Jesus. In order to, for us to operate in kingdom faith, we've got to check our motive. What is the reason why we're following him? God knows what we could handle. He knows the best that we have. Many times the Lord is waiting for us to mature in our faith to give us certain things. He wants us to have maturity so he could um, trust us with a lot of things. Now, I want you to see this. Please, this is so powerful. I'm going to shout by myself if you're not shouting in your house right now. Point number one that I want to share with you, and it's going to be on your screen, is this. Many times we think God doesn't answer our prayers. But watch this. But no is an answer. <laughs> Come on, say amen. No is an answer. Many times we're asking God to answer a prayer, but when God says no, we actually think he's not listening. But I have news for you. No is actually an answer too. You need to praise God for the no. You need to praise God when you pray for something and the answer is no. And, and, and you know why you need to praise God? Because his answering no to you is actually proving that he loves you because he's trying to protect you from, from you receiving something that you're going to destroy or that you're not ready for. Come on. Come on. Say amen. Let me give you an example. If you had a six or seven year old son or daughter, those of you who have kids, you have a six or seven year old daughter and, and he, they said, my prayer for my daddy and my mommy is for them to let me drive their car right now at six years old, at seven years old. Lord, that is my prayer that my mom and dad will let me have it. And then the, your son or your daughter goes to you, mom and dad, my prayer is that you would allow me to uh, drive your car at seven years old. Your no is going to disappoint them. Your no is going to crush them because they don't understand why you're saying no. They're going to think you don't love them. They don't, they're going to think that you don't care for them. But your no is actually protecting them from great danger. Why? Because they're not ready yet. The no many times in our life is a sign that God loves you. Come on, say amen. The no is actually a protection for that child. How many times, come on, let's be real with each other. How many times do you think God is not answering you because he said no when in actuality he's protecting you? Come on, come on, examine yourself. How many times did you think God did not hear you when in actuality he's trying to protect you? He's trying to give you something better. He's trying to reveal something greater. You and I, our faith will be tested by even how we respond to prayers, watch this, that are not answered the way you want them to. Oh, my gosh. I, feel, I, I wish I had about 500 of you guys here so I could high five you. Let me tell you, let me tell you, if the prayers that you're praying for and you hear a no or even you hear silence and we, we, we say, well, my God is not listening to me because I've done everything I can. Well, has it ever occurred to you that you've done everything you could and God actually already gave you the answer and you're still waiting for the answer? And maybe that answer is no. Rejoice in the no because he knows something better than you do. He knows what we could handle. Now watch this. Just like the Apostle Paul when he was shipwrecked. Do you remember when the Apostle Paul, he, during he was a prisoner, he was being uh, 
sailed from one destination to the other for several days. The winds were very boisterous in the book of Acts. I'm going to set, share it with you right now. Now watch this. I'm going to say something very powerful. If, if, if Paul the Apostle didn't understand that the true motive he had for following Jesus was not a bless me club, it's not make me feel good all the time, that there are going to be hardships and trouble. If he didn't understand that, he would have lost his faith a long time ago. He got, he got naked. He was stolen from. He got stoned. And even when they told him, hey, don't go to Jerusalem, they're going to kill you. He's like, I'm ready to die anyways. That's not my motive. Watch this. Is for following Jesus is not so I could be rich. Or my motive for following Jesus is not so he could bless me with all these houses and all these. Watch this. Let's, let's spiritualize it. My motive for following Jesus is not so that he could give me open doors for ministry all over the world. What if he doesn't give you open doors for ministry all over the world? What if he doesn't give you a platform? What if you only have a ministry of 50 people for a majority of your life? What if that's the call of God for you? Are you okay with that? Or are you going to think that he's abandoned you? Are you going to quit on the ministry? Because maybe that's what he said. He said, if you could take care of these 50, your reward will be greater than these people who may have had thousands in their ministry but weren't faithful stewards. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. This is good stuff. Now, watch this. I want you to see this. This is going to be on your next point. It is possible. Are you ready to shout? It is possible that God allowed the boat that the apostle Paul was on to be shipwrecked on the sea because he wanted to teach Paul how to deal with snakes on the land. Oh, somebody shout. Somebody say amen to this. Is it possible that God, look at me, look at me. Is it possible that God allowed the shipwreck on the sea, which almost lost many of their lives, God revealed to Paul that there's going to be a shipwreck on the sea, and it was going to be disastrous. The boat and everything was going to be destroyed, and they will barely survive. But the Lord said, you're going to survive. Could you imagine if the, if, the, if the Apostle Paul would have got so offended at the Lord for allowing a shipwreck to destroy everything and almost everybody died and then stopped following him? No, because the, the motive of Paul's faith was not, watch this, are you ready? For God only to protect him all the time. Uh-oh, uh-oh, that just blew some of y'all's theology. Do you believe that Paul the Apostle was a man of God? Yeah, yeah, right? Do you believe that the Lord took him to the third heaven? Many of us haven't done that, right? Yet the Lord allowed his boat to be shipwrecked, right? And he didn't die. But no one knows the in-between. No one knows he had a couple of scrapes and bruises and, and, and things like that. Or, or, or the, the despair of the water rising and trying to get these little planks on the, on, the, on the seat. Now watch this, watch this. Is it possible that God allowed the shipwreck to test his faith, right? Because he was preparing him to see how he would deal with snakes when he arrived on the land. You know why that makes me shout? Because right when they went on land, the Bible says, I'm going to read it to you, that he was warming up in a fire. And right after this test, right after this test, he got bit by a snake. Oh, come on, somebody. How many of you have dealt with snakes in your life? You know how you could deal with it? When you've suffered shipwreck. When God could trust you with past victories... If he could trust you with past shipwrecks, you have no problems with snakes on the land. Come on, somebody. You will have no problem when snakes attack you because you're like, I already survived the shipwreck. 
I'm just going to shake it off. And that's exactly what Paul the Apostle did. I want you to turn with me. Acts chapter 27, verse 39 through 41 and 44. Boy, this is good. I'm feeling the presence of God. Look what it says. Acts chapter 27, verse 39 through 41. Look at this. When morning dawned, they didn't recognize the coastline, but they saw a bay with, be with a beach and, wa and, and wandered if they could get to the shore by running the ship aground. Look at verse 40, all right? So they cut the anchors off and left them in the sea. Then they lowered the rooters, raised the foresail, and headed toward shore. Verse 41. But they hit a shoal and ran the ship aground too soon. Here's the, here's the shipwreck that was prophesied. The bow of the ship struck fast while the stern was repeatedly smashed by the force of the waves and began to break apart. That doesn't sound like safety to me. Now watch this. The others held on to planks, pieces of wood or debris from the broken ship. So that means not, it wasn't just like an angel carried them to the land. An angel didn't carry them. No, they had to suffer through this. The others held on to planks or debris from the broken ship. So everyone escaped safely to shore. Okay, now watch this. Look at the very next chapter in Acts chapter 28. Right when this all happened and they're having the trial of life, God Testing the motive of why we follow him, right? Look at what it says in Acts 28, 1 through 6. NLT. Oh, this is so good. Are you ready? Are you ready? Once we were safe on shore, we learned that we were on the island of Malta. Oh, come on, Spanish people say amen. There's some Malta. There's some good old Malta there. He was on the island of Malta. Woo! Spanish people will get what I'm getting at here. All right? Now watch this. But seriously, the people of the island were very kind to us, they said. Now, it was a cold and rainy day, so they were building a fire on the shore to welcome us. Keep reading. As Paul gathered an armful of sticks and was laying them on the fire. Are you ready for this? A poisonous, a poisonous snake driven out by the heat bit him on the hand. Now watch this. The people of the island saw it hanging from his hand and said to each other, This must be a murderer, no doubt. Though he escaped the sea, justice will not permit him to live. But Paul, come on, listen, listen to this. Paul shook off the snake into the fire and was unharmed. I want the camera to look at me. Take it off the, the verse right now. Look at this. Paul shook off the snake, here's the key, and was unharmed. Oh my God. God. Oh my God. He was unharmed. The people waited for him to swell up or suddenly drop dead. But when they had waited, when he had waited a long time and saw that he wasn't harmed, they changed their minds and decided he was some sort of God. Look at me, look at me, look at me. You know why Paul could nonchalantly and without a shred of doubt shake off not just any snake, a poisonous snake that was hanging? I could, you know why he could have shook it off like that? Because he just survived a shipwreck. And was still following God. My goodness, this is amazing. He just survived almost drowning. The entire ship being almost exploded to bits and pieces because of this uh, shipwreck that happened. And they were, were hanging on planks and they finally made it to shore. And he still said, this is part of God's plan. I'm not going to get offended because the motive of me following God was not that everything's going to be perfect and everything's going to be peachy and creams all the time. I'm going to suffer through some tribulation. As a matter of fact, earlier, earlier in the book of Acts, there's a scripture that says we must enter the kingdom of heaven through much tribulation. Listen, the early saints knew that tribulation and trials were part of the Christian faith. 
Fast forward to 2020, Christians in America think that trials and tribulation is that God means that God is mad at them and God has abandoned them. We have, are so far away from the early church. I believe if Paul the Apostle, if Peter were alive today, they'd be like, these guys are a bunch of wimps. These guys are waiting to give up just because they don't get a job promotion that they've been praying for. Yet, I got shipwrecked, and I'm still loving God. And after I got shipwrecked, I got bitten by a snake. Watch this. The reason why he could shake it off is because he already knew, come hell or high water, I'm following Jesus to death. Glory to God. So he's just like, I can imagine, I can imagine eating some good old chicken, some Malta on the Malta Island, right? Some black beans and rice and some and some steak or chicken and cornbread. And, and he's eating and the snake bits him. And he just keeps on eating that cornbread and just kind of shaking off to the fire. He's like, could you pass me that corn, please? Could you pass me, could you pass me that steak? Without even thinking of what was happening in his in his arm, bitten by a snake. You and I need to get to the place where our motive for following Jesus, listen, survives the no when your prayer request, when God says no, survives the silence of God and also survives the things that you don't understand. If you could follow God at all costs, even when you don't get your way, that is kingdom faith. Someone say amen. Someone turn to your family member right now and give them a high five. This is good preaching. Come on, I haven't said this in a long time, but I'm preaching better than you're saying amen. You're hopefully saying amen here right now, right? Listen to me. Don't allow what you don't know about what God is doing behind the scenes to cause your heart to be offended. I'm going to say that again. Don't allow what you don't know about what God is doing behind the scenes to allow your heart to get offended. Sometimes God will allow shipwreck in your life to show you that you could still survive the snakes that are about to bite you. You know, like I said it earlier this sermon, some of you, you've had snake bites, not physical ones. Some of you had spiritual and emotional snake bites, people backbiting about you, gossiping about you, snapping at you, not, not honoring you, right? We've all had snakes in our lives. But you know what you need to do? If your motive is truly to follow God, that's kingdom faith no matter what happens, you just shake it off and you don't worry about what they say about you. You don't worry about the thing about you. Let me tell you, I'm, I'm not perfect and I'm not there yet, but I am a lot better now than I, am, than I was five, ten years ago. Some of us care so much what people think. You know what? You just got to keep on going with the call of God, no matter what happens in your life. Glory to God. Come on, say amen. The storms that you've been through and survived in your past is preparing you for the future storms that you haven't gone through yet. That is the testing of the motive of your faith. The storms that you went through and survived in the past not only increases your faith, because remember, we talked about the Lord tests our faith, right? By the things we survive, remember? Right? So he increases our faith by what we survive. But those are even more. What you survived in your trial, in your life, and the storms that you've survived in your life is only strengthening you for the future storms that may be a little higher that will actually destroy someone else. But to you, you would just shake it off. Why? Because you said, listen, watch this. I love what Job said. It's just like Job said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Oh my God. Here's Job who experienced his children dying, his cattle, his, his, his camel, uh, his transportation, which is camel, his, his livestock, which is his food, and his children all on the same day, perishing, dying. And yet, 
and he had boils all over his body, sickness all over his body, pain every second of the day. And he said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Can we truly say that, church? Can we truly say that when you and I are in a position that we're following God, that we feel like we're being slayed, and we feel like we're going under, that we can still trust God? That's kingdom faith. We see it in Paul, and we just saw it in Job. In the story that I recapped in you, Job, did he cursed his birthright. He, he, he was like, man, I, I just wish I wasn't born. But he never cursed God. Whew. Can I just look in that camera and say, have we secretly cursed God? Come on, pause. I'm guilty. I admit there's times in my life that in my heart I'm like, come on, God, what's wrong with you? What's, what's wrong? I can't believe you're not being faithful to me. And, the, and because you have a relationship, because I have a relationship with God, I could talk to God like that. But you know what? After, he, after I calm down, he, realize, I, he realizes, he gives me the revelation that I've been wrong the whole time. Because the motive of why I follow Jesus should not be everything is perfect and then I'll follow him. It's follow him to death. Follow him no matter what. He is the way. He is the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through him. One of the keys... To operating in kingdom faith. Here's a next point. I want you to put it on the screen here. And I want you to see this. One of the keys to operating in kingdom faith. Is your capacity and ability to manage the expected and the unexpected. I want you to take a screenshot of that. Or I want you to write it. It's in your app. If you have an RCC app. It's in your notes. One of the keys to operating in kingdom faith is your capacity and ability to manage the expected and the unexpected. I'm, I'm coming to a close in the next five minutes or so. And I want you to know, how are you managing the unexpected? How are you managing the expected? Kingdom faith is the ability to, to have your capacity and your ability to manage the expected and unexpected. And I'll just add this, even in your emotions. Are you, are you being stable in your emotions? Or are you getting all bent out of shape? All right? Kingdom faith oftentimes measures by your ability to maintain steadfast in the promises of God and in your emotions in times of turmoil. I'm going to read that again. Kingdom faith is oftentimes measured by your ability to maintain steadfast in the promises of God and in your emotions in the times of turmoil. Are you steadfast in the promises of God right now? Are you steadfast in your emotions? Are you getting all bent out of shape? We're all human. I get it. I know. I've done it too. But deep down inside, are you repentant for that? And then you grow and learn from that. The goal is that you keep growing. All right? Are you steadfast in your emotions? Are you steadfast in your tithing? Are you steadfast in your giving? Are you steadfast in your honoring? Who are you honoring? What are you honoring right now? Right? There's a whole other thing. You know, Alyssa last week talked about honor, and that's amazing. Honoring our government, honoring our leaders, honoring each other, honoring our marriage. Like, are you honoring God by your emotions? What do people see when they see you? I'm almost done. I'm almost done. People can tell how mature we really are by what we do under pressure. Because oftentimes, how we respond under pressure is a measure of our faith. Is it kingdom faith? Or is it a faith that we have just made up? And I'm going to leave you with this, okay? Everybody could quote Romans 8, 28, right? And, and Romans 8, uh, 35, 
right? I'm more than a conqueror. Like, all things work together for good. I'm more than a conqueror. No death or life nor ancient principalities can separate us from the love of God, right? But the reason I say that is because the reason why the Apostle Paul can say no death, no angels, no principality, no tribulation can separate from the love of God, why? Is because kingdom faith, here's the last point, says, I will love and praise God no matter what happens to me or the people I love. That's the last point I want to share. It's going to be on the screen. Kingdom faith says, I will love and praise God no matter what happens to me or the people I love. I want to encourage you as I close right now. I ask you to pray for kingdom faith to arise in your heart. Not the faith that says, I'll follow Jesus as long as he answers every prayer the way I interpret them to be. Uh, or even I have to agree with everything that that other person says. And they have to agree with everything I say. Or I need to have a promotion. Or I've been praying and I've been tithing and I still get no, no, no. Kingdom faith says, I will praise God no matter what happens to me. Watch this. Or the people I love. I will still stay steadfast. And kingdom faith is a testing of our motive to see why are you really following God. Listen, I'm closing right now and I promise. Next 30 seconds. Remember John chapter 6, church. John chapter 6, Jesus just stood there and said, I am the bread of life. Unless you eat my flesh, drink my blood, you have no part of me. And he just waited. He just waited. And in his mind, he's like, I know this is offending them, but I'm testing them right now by what I say to see if they really follow me for who I am because I'm willing to offend the mind to reveal their heart. Sometimes what God has to say in his word, or sometimes what God has to say to you personally, like maybe the Holy Spirit saying, repent. You're not all that and a bag of chips. I'm not saying that to be mean. But maybe the Lord, you've been operating some way for years, and you've been feeling that you're always right. There's some people that come across like, if it's not through their revelation, then no one else is right. If it's not through a certain person's revelation of the doctrine of this or that then everyone is wrong well who are we to who are we to say it's all about my ideas my revelation my this my that no we don't have it all together we may have some cool things that we have to say but it, we are not the next best thing to god it's not like the father holy spirit father son holy spirit you and and everything has to filter through your revelation or your preference no my friends we need to take the back seat again and allow Jesus to be Lord, truly Lord of our life. Not us to add on to his lordship. Come on, say amen. That is kingdom faith. Kingdom faith operates by kingdom principles, kingdom ordinances, kingdom rules. Not our preference and not our rules. Can I hear an amen? I want to just invite you to pray with me. And I want this word to explode in your spirit. Pray with me that God will allow you to develop kingdom faith. And kingdom faith also is open to repent. Maybe God is saying, you know what? Repent for some things that you've said about this person behind closed doors. Repent uh, for, for gossiping about that person. Repent for only following Jesus in the good times, right? Let's, let's pray that kingdom faith will come. Father, I just pray right now as we close that kingdom faith will arise. That no matter what happens, like even in John 6, no matter what causes us to be offended, we will follow you. We will honor you. We will be Christ-like in our endeavors, in our speech, in our actions. Father, come what may, our prayer is today, just like Job, though you slay me, or though I'm feeling like I'm slain, I will yet trust you, and I will yet praise you. Let that be the foundation of our faith. Not because you bless us, or 
because you're silent or because you give us great things. It's because of who you are. We turn the church back to kingdom faith in Jesus' name. If you're here and you prayed that, I believe God's doing something in you. If you're also here and you want to give your life to the Lord, I just simply ask you to surrender your life to the Lord. That's what the Bible asks. He doesn't tell you to run a million miles and do all this stuff. No, just accept the work that Jesus already did on the cross. He died for you. He loves you. He forgives you. Now just the Bible says repent, receive him as a Lord of your life. Repent of your sins in your own way. Say, Lord, forgive me. I ask you to forgive me. I turn from my wicked ways. I surrender my all to you. And then start following him. Get the word of God in you. If you don't eat for a month, you're going to die, right? Most likely. Same way spiritually. Once you give your life to the Lord, don't just stop there. Get the word of God inside of you. Grow. Allow the Lord to change your motive and mind and actions by allowing the Holy Spirit to continue to develop you into the image of Christ through relationship, all right? And then get to a local church that loves God and is on fire for God. That's how you're going to grow. God bless you. You're going to see a video on tithing and offering. If you've enjoyed our messages, if you follow us from afar, or if even if you're part of our RCC community, we're asking you please continue to support your local church here at RCC with your tithe and offerings because not only are we obedient, being obedient to God uh, in this time, but you're allowing the work of the Lord to continue while we continue every Monday to feed hundreds of people through our food pantry outreach and um, our outreach to our first responders in the city. Continue to give. Be faithful in your giving. I'll see you next week. God bless you. Thank you for tuning in. For more information about us, please visit remnantchristiancenter.com.